Don't let the things that are circling around scare you into thinking that you can't invest in today's market conditions because that's simply not true. We are. We're just investing based on fundamentals. That's it. Welcome to the Get Real Podcast. Your high-octane boost of full-on reality therapy for personal, business, and investing success with your host, Ron Phillips, because somebody's got to tell it like it is. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Get Real Podcast. Ron Phillips with Heather Marchant. Hello. We're back. <laughs> we talk about three things on this show, and I think some... So we, Heather, we got some questions about why we talk about certain things. So let's talk yeah. about the three things we talk about on the show, because I think that's really important. We talk about real estate, business, and life, and how they all intersect. I think most people that listen are real estate people. Do you agree? I agree. Yep. The reason that we talk about business is because whether you like it or not, <laughs> if you own real estate, that's a business. Yeah. I've been learning that the hard way with entity structures and asset protection. I mean, just like a business owner. I mean, it's yeah. not any different, really. It's a different product for sure, but it's a business. And so that's why we give you tips about this. As a matter of fact, last couple of weeks, I've had at least three to four people ask me, and I think you've had the same thing um, recently. We own so many properties. This is becoming very difficult. Like, What's the next step here? And the next step yeah. is having someone who can help manage all of the properties, mm-hmm. not, not the property management piece, just the management of making sure that the rents are in, making sure that everything's running the way it's supposed to, all of this stuff. And mm-hmm. It can get a little bit difficult to do on your own, especially if you are, you know, if you're working full time and still trying to have a life. Which yes. is why we talk about how they intersect with life because they do. Business does, your job does, everything else does. It intersects with life, and so we talk about the three of those because whether you know it or not, you're probably going to need it. Yeah, I think you'll end up. You manage people, even owning a few properties because you're working with property management. I just had a client interface this week where he said, man, I'm just not getting great communication from my property manager. And I said, well, this person at the property management company is going to be a resource for you. They're responsive. They're great. And I noticed he responded on the thread and said to that specific person, thank you. I really appreciate all you do. Thank you for being on my team. Right? So managing people and a lot of the things we've talked about that we use on our own team, building people, being positive, being grateful, (laughs) instead of beating up your people and being the angry boss, it can translate directly into how you work with your property manager. A hundred percent. And how you should interact with everyone. Mm -hmm. Uh, I saw a great post this week that just said, hey, take the extra 30 seconds to make sure that your email or your text is super over the top positive. Yeah. And it's because they, and we've talked about this on the show before, but they don't have any feeling. There's no feeling in a text or an email. So you got to mm-hmm. add it. Like you have to, you yeah. have to make sure that it has the right feeling when it goes to the other person or they're going to accept it. However, their day is going that day. Yep. So you want them to be able to go, yeah, I get it. This is a nice email, right? Yeah, I agree. I think that the business, it doesn't take owning a huge amount of properties before you're really dealing with a real estate business. I don't own 
I mean, I own 12 units at this point, which is tons in my mind, right? <laughs> I'm like, man, this is amazing. And for the last couple of years, I've been feeling it like, okay, I need to hire an accountant that knows real estate. And so I'm managing it more like a business versus trying to figure it out on my own and setting up entity structures, making sure everything's in place. I found out that I haven't been filing a certain document with one of the states where I own properties. And I just had to pay to reinstate an LLC that I didn't know was pulled. I mean, stuff like that, mm -hmm. like making sure you're organized and managing like a business. So. Yep. So all of this stuff is important. So um, don't zone out on the business stuff because if you're just buying your first one through five properties, it probably doesn't seem like it's super critical, mm -hmm. but it will be. And it will be sooner than you think. Exactly. And then you'll reach out. You'll be one of the people who's reaching out going, how do I do this? Mm -hmm. And um, all of the secrets we have are not secret. They're right here on the show. So anyway, that's why we talk about business. That's why we talk about things that are working in our business because business is business and the principles just kind of remain the same. It doesn't matter what business you're in, right? Correct. So with that description, I guess let's move on and not talk about business. Let's talk about real estate. <laughs> <laughs> it's been active, man. I feel like we're having to keep up every single week on what's happening in general, just with lending alone. Personally, I've been looking for a new primary residence for the last year and this shenanigans that we've been in and put in multiple offers on different houses and they haven't been accepted. And in the last three months, I would say, I'm noticing where I live that prices are dropping fast and big price drops. So the market is for sure shifting, which is exciting. I come away with, like looking forward to it. Bring on the shift. No problem. <laughs> yeah. So if you're trying to buy a house and you're trying to sell a house, let's talk about where we are in the market right now, at least as far as I can tell. And I guess the other thing I should probably say is no one really knows what's going to happen with the market. Everybody is postulating that they know, but they really don't. So there's the supply demand camp that says that the real estate market is going to continue to go up. There's the doom and gloom camp that says everything's going to go to hell in a handbasket. And then somewhere in the middle is the truth. Yeah. But I don't really know where it is. I can just tell you what I'm seeing. And anecdotally, I'm hearing the same things in multiple markets all across the country. Now, just because you can't list your house dirty with a whole <laughs> yeah. bunch of problems and sell it for a million dollars over asking price doesn't mean we're in a quote buyer's market. I keep hearing this all the time. Well, we're now we're in a buyer's market. It like changed the last two weeks. All of a sudden we're in a buyer's market. That's not the way it works, people. Yeah. Okay, so let's not lose our brains here. We're not in a buyer's market. We're not. We're in a seller's market still in most markets. Again, this is very localized, but in most markets, that is returning to more of a normal market. Yeah. As far as levels That's of inventory, days on the market, things like that. I mean, I can give you a personal, for instance, uh, many of you know we've been doing this rehab. I've talked about it on the show. Which is almost done, by the way, Heather. I'm happy to report it's almost Amazing. done. Amazing. Yeah. Looking really good. So we decided to list our home. And you know, there's a couple of ways you can do this. Uh, there's three ways you can do this. One of which is just is wrong. 
And yet <laughs> some realtors out there are still doing it, Heather. And that is to price your house right at or above market, which in a market that's transitioning back to normal is a really, really stupid thing to do because nobody's going to come look at it. Mm. I mean, there's more inventory on the market than there has been in a long time. Yeah. So and that's every- what I'm saying about our price reductions that I've been seeing. I feel like everyone's priced high and then went, oh crap, yeah. I'm not getting any showings. I yeah. shouldn't have done that. And the other thing is in a normal market and in a buyer's market, which we're not in yet, but in a buyer's market and in a normal market, your property has to just rock. Yeah. You can't look at square footage comps and then list your property dirty and in horrible shape not staged and expect to get full price for it. That's not the way it works. And so the days of doing that and listing it way over market and having people make offers on it, those are over in almost all the markets. I mean, I'm in a really hot market in Charleston. Those days are, are gone. Yeah. So a couple of other ways you can list it at value and you can list it under value and hope you get kind of a run up. I don't think either one of those is necessarily right or wrong, but if you put a pristine property on the market and you put it on just below everybody else, you are going to get activity. Yeah. Well, that is what we opted to do. I would just say that my house had things that were wrong, so we fixed almost all of those things. We also packed up a pod, a big, huge pod with a bunch of just extra crap, right? And Heather and I have been joking around because uh, we, we, in our house, we lovingly refer to this process as creating fake house. So great. No one lives like you have to have your house to show your house. Literally nobody does. I mean, you can't have anything on the, uh, on the bathroom sinks, like nothing. Everything goes on. I mean, it's ridiculous. Anyway, (laughs) if you don't do that, well then you're not going to get the best money for your property. So we did. We paid some guys to load up a pod full of crap, get it out of here. And then we spent the better part of a week and a half just making our house ready to show, making it ready for pictures. Because you only get one shot at this. You get one shot to get the run. That means your pictures have to be professional. You can't go snap them with your iPhone and think, you know, if your realtor comes over, and doesn't have a photographer on their team, you should not hire them. If they come and they don't tell you what you need to do to your house to get it ready for sale, you should get rid of them yeah. because they're not pros. Yep. And they should come telling you where you should list your house and the strategy that they're going to use. Mm-hmm. So shout out to Caleb Pearson of the Pearson team here in Charleston. He knows what he's doing. In the 30 minutes following our house hitting the market, Heather, you remember how many people I said scheduled showings? This was at 2 p.m. I think it was three within 30 minutes is what I remember. Yeah. And then we ended up having four that night. We ended up within 36 hours. We had something like 12 showings. I can't remember how many offers. we. I want to say we had somewhere between six and and eight offers. Totally crazy. uh, It was, it's absolutely nuts. We didn't, we weren't able to be in our house for basically the 36 hours, except for to sleep. I think my favorite part is when you said, man, we just put, you had like sauce or something on the stove. 
I just was going to make lunch. (laughs) No, it was dinner and it was spaghetti sauce. It was my wife's homemade spaghetti sauce, which anybody listening to this, I guess, family members or friends who've had this sauce know this is not, this takes a long time to become what it is. So this was not like a little thing. (laughs) And we were trying to figure out what, like, what the heck do you do with that? Anyway, we just left it there simmering and the house smelled really good. Maybe that's why we got so many offers. I don't know. But that is exactly what we wanted to have happen. And then our home, every single offer we got was over asking. So amazing. does that sound like a buyer's market? No. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. It's not a buyer's market. Has the market softened? Yes, it has. Absolutely. Which means if you're selling, you have to be better. That's all. That's all. Yeah. So Step up your game. We're not in a buyer's market. So if anybody calls our office and says that we're in a buyer's market and I want to make ridiculous offers on properties, we're just going to kindly, very politely tell you, you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. I'm super like the softening has been wonderful for us being able to get mm-hmm. properties and inventory. Our sellers that were listing stuff locally or things are slowing. And so they're saying, okay, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll work on selling to investors more. I mean, all that stuff's super good for our clients. And being able to have some some more properties available, which is awesome. For sure. Now, in other news, mortgage demands fall to their lowest level in 22 years, which also points to some change, some shift in the market. Mm-hmm. I saw another article the other day about... Um, I actually just saw a report today where Opendoor, which is one of the largest buyers of homes, their stock is way down. And... So I think all of this bodes well for the average investor because we've been in this market where everybody is just buying everything and they're paying insane amounts of money. And I think everything's moving back to normal. Now, will the prices fall off a cliff, Heather? No, no. Well, I don't see it that way. I should be more careful on my definitive statements because no one really knows. And the government, as you've said, Ron, can come in and screw things up. It can add legislation that makes it so the supply and the demand stuff, that argument becomes obsolete. I mean, they can mess stuff up with legislation for sure. For sure. And like we've said before, there's so many levers to this that suggesting that supply and demand is going to necessarily drive prices further north than they currently are. That only suggests that demand stays high. And if interest rates continue to go up, which um, they, they are, they've now hit 6%. Mm-hmm. Well, that demand could soften. Mm-hmm. If demand softens and we have more properties listed, that puts us back to a normal market. If that continues to happen, then the reverse is going to happen, right? We'll have the aforementioned buyer's market, but that doesn't happen overnight, folks. Okay. Yeah. So there's a lot of things out there that look like they're really, really scary. And if you're an investor, it's understandable that you would be a little bit nervous, but let us. Let us chat about your concerns. <laughs> you have used to call yourself the Dr. Phil of real estate for years. I haven't heard that out of you in a while. And that's totally what fits right now. If you're nervous. The Dr. Phil of real estate. and I, I will be Dr. Phil. <laughs> so. Um, <laughs> Tell me about your fears. Let's talk you know, about it. We have the stock market, which is absolutely taking a, a beating. Crypto, which is absolutely taking a beating. Even the bond market which usually is 
opposite, I guess, of yeah. the stock market. If the stock market decides it's going to start doing really poorly, usually the bond market does pretty well because people are going to move into safety. But that hasn't happened either. Which is a surprise. So people are looking for tangible assets, and there's a very good reason for that. You cannot keep buying assets for more than they're worth that don't cash flow and it end well. So mm-hmm. the large companies who've done this and they're banking on massive appreciation. Or rent and, increases. <laughs> yeah, or rent, yeah, or rent increases. <laughs> I think they're in trouble. I think they're in trouble, which means that there should be at some point, not in the near future, but in the future, there should be more deals for sane, logical <laughs> investors that use strong fundamentals. And if you're buying properties using strong fundamentals, Heather, we've talked about this on the show too. Remember when we talked to, um, we've talked about my buddy that bought in 2018, height of the market, absolute worst time you could possibly buy. The great news about real estate is that if the value falls off a cliff, it's only one of the four returns. It's only one. Yeah. Because we were selling new construction and it was Mm -hmm. what, just like a couple months before the crash in 2008. And we were moving tons of new construction properties, which you should say that's a bad idea. You couldn't have picked a, a worse time. Yeah. If you were trying to time the market, literally the worst possible time. And brand new, Ron. Like Not just mm-hmm. like, oh, I picked up a house that's 20 years old. I picked up a brand new house Yeah. and at the top of the market. So that's kind of the exciting part about real estate is that as long as you're cash flowing and you stick to your fundamentals, like you were saying then you're still cash flowing, right? Like you, yep. the financing doesn't change. Your interest rate, because interest rates are going up on a property you already own, isn't going to change. So you're still cash flowing through a dip in maybe the value of the property. So not as scary. <laughs> so I'm really positive about the real estate market. Now, I'm not necessarily bullish on the prices are going to continue to increase, but I'm not sure that I care. If prices normalize, that's a good thing. And if prices drop, also a good thing. If you're buying on strong fundamentals, it's really not that relevant. It's a great... I mean, it would be great if we could get back and have some unbelievable deals like we did in 9, 10, 11, 12. But trying to time the market is a fool's errand. You literally can't time it. Yeah, You could maybe get lucky, but that's really what it is. There's no skill set to it. You just got lucky. And um, I think it applies to you know your friend buying in 2008 too, because the bottom of the market wasn't until 2011, if I'm in like the fourth quarter no, or something. No, it was like 2012. 2012. It was literally. Oh, uh, you're right. 12. It was yeah. five years after the thing started to collapse, which leads to another question, right? If you're trying to time the market, at what point do you buy? Were you a smart investor to buy in, in 2010? Or 2009, because that wasn't the bottom of the market, but people got hellacious deals. The reality of the situation is if your property's cash flowing, if your property is having a loan paid off by your tenant, mm-hmm. so you're building equity, regardless of whether the property goes up or down, you're building mm-hmm. equity in the property. And the government's going to continue to give us tax breaks, which they still are. It's a pretty solid deal. And when you stack all three of those, take appreciation out of it completely. When you stack all three of those, it's a strong double-digit return. Yeah. I think one thing I've been hearing lately that I thought was really interesting 
is I had a couple clients say to me, well, when I buy property from you guys, I'm not really getting a deal. I'm paying full market value. And that's been really interesting because I said to them, well, I find that fascinating because we're doing off-market deals usually that aren't listed on the local MLS. And our last couple of bigger deals, like bigger developments we've gotten have been, one was the, the seller was looking to sell to a hedge fund at this price. And then we said, well, I know that you're having a hard time moving this to a hedge fund because you sold a couple of the units and hedge funds don't want all, like most, they want all. <laughs> and so we said, we'll sell it at that price that you would have sold to the hedge fund and we'll give our clients that discount or whatever. But can I turn around to a client and say, oh, well, you're getting a great deal because all of them were selling at the same price as far as comps are concerned, it was going to appraise for the purchase price, no doubt, <laughs> because right. we sold 115 of the same units. And so we have like two of these left. And I hear that from clients like, oh, well, I'm not getting a deal. And I'm going, oh my gosh, the builders told me I can't even build for this price, Heather. Nope. Like, it's such a good deal, but I can't tell anybody they're going to realize that right away because there's... Nope comps. Here's the really funny thing is that when you actually go out there and look for new construction, because uh, we look we look at a lot of developments all the time. Usually if someone's coming in at the beginning and they're buying, they get a little bit better deal depending on how their financing is structured and everything with the deal. They could get a really good deal. And what Heather's saying is that we got that same deal yeah. without having to do any of that. No one had to actually carry the construction financing. No one had to do any of that stuff. And they still got the same deal, right? Mm -hmm. And the cash flow numbers are really strong in comparison to what you would get on a property that's complete with a tenant in place. Mm -hmm. Because right now, if a builder builds out a development and they sell it off to a hedge fund after it's built and after it's fully tenanted, the cap rate is between usually four and a half and five and a half percent. And we're a full point higher than that if not a little bit more. Mm -hmm. And we're getting the same deal in essence. Yeah. Yeah. Right? So anyway, we look at deals all the time and we literally can't get those deals because the numbers don't work yes. that these hedge funds are paying. Mm -hmm. The only reason the ones that, you, that Heather's talking about worked is because they were getting a pretty substantial discount for building all of them out and they were doing it and they were taking on the risk of the lease up. Mm -hmm. Well, we eliminated all of that and still got that deal because the builder made a mistake and sold a handful of these units to yeah. friends and family. And then the hedge funds didn't want them. So all of our clients got to go in there and get this really, really good deal without having to carry any of the liability on them. Because this builder has another project and he's told me, I think I can make more money, Heather, on the local MLS. So like then your investors would pay. So yeah, the whole like, I'm not getting a deal thing is actually just kind of a farce, really, because, because it's, it's all subject to appraisals, though, to really see what a property's worth. And so it's very difficult yeah, for us. And I, would, to I guess it. I would say, Heather, compared to what? Yeah, yeah, true. Com like, compared to what? Yeah. Compared to some other new construction that people can get, it's kind of a compared to what situation. Yeah. I think that there's... I've had a lot of our sellers over the last year that are rehabbers that say, 
man, Heather, I can just make more money if I go and -hmm. sell these on the local market and just list them online to some ignorant investor who's trolling the web, trying to find a deal. And yeah, you assume if you found it online that you found a deal sometimes, right? Look at the cap rates, folks. (laughs) Yeah. Before you buy, which I guess, I mean, should I bring up the multi? I mean, I'm. (laughs) Yes, you should. Yes, you should. All right, guys, I, I, may, I may get a little bit fired up, but man, I see deals. A friend of mine called me and they were like, hey, Ron, uh, you want to invest in this deal? It's a really good deal. I mean, the market is a great market. I'm not going to say the market and I'm not going to say who this is, but I open up this offering memorandum on a syndication deal. And I, <laughs> I just did a, we just did a show about this not too many weeks ago. Sure. I can't remember when. I keep getting these, man. And you know, this came from a guy, listen, this came from a guy who's in real estate. So he, and gets he was, it. and he was getting snowed by this guy. And the re- and here, here's the reason, because people really don't, including the dude who sent this, by the way, don't understand all of the factors that go into buying a multifamily property. Hmm. So let's go through a few. Let's just go through a few of these. So if, Preach, if, you, get, if you get an offering memorandum, which by the way, if you don't know what that is, an offering memorandum is basically just a slideshow pitch deck that tells you all about the offering, the property, what they're going to do to it, how they're kind of like our pro forma, but for it's just longer and more details, way more intense, a lot more information. And the funny thing is, is that if you were a person who understood the information that you were putting in the offering memorandum, you probably would have omitted some of this if you wanted to sell it. (laughs) I'm just saying. Let that sink in for a second. <laughs> so, and, and this guy is all over the internet. If you're in any multifamily groups, you would know this guy's name. So it's not like he's a, a new person to the game. He's, he's been doing this. And yeah. this is so remarkable. So I get this and I look through this for maybe 15 minutes. I call the guy back, my buddy. I call my buddy back and I said, okay, I got a few questions. Just like out of the gate, just a few questions that I'm probably not going to be able to have a solid answer to, which means I'm probably not interested. Oh, hey, wait, what? Like what? So I asked him the answer. He's like, cool. Let me get the guy on the phone. I'm like, well, okay, let's get the guy on the phone. Let's talk to him. So my first question is the whole offering memorandum, this whole deal is banks on them raising rents, mm, which is fine. Hopefully. Yeah. Well, as long as the market rent, so if, the, if the market dictates right. those or is it speculating? Yeah. Right. So first problem is, is that the rents right now are $800. Okay. I agree. That's, that's probably pretty low for this particular market. The rent comps from CoStar, which he included, hmm. range anywhere from around 1000 to 1600 There was one comp at 1600 One. All of the other ones were between fourteen hundred and a thousand. Most of them between eleven hundred and fourteen hundred, somewhere in there. Mm. Now, they were going to do some work to the units, but in no way is a B or a C class property, no matter what you do to it, going to comp with a brand new, just completed, large property that has all kinds of amenities. It's just not a comp. Yeah. And guess what they comp this on? You guessed it, $1,600. So first problem, 
they think they're going to get 1600 bucks. Yeah. No. For one, for one comp. From yeah, from one comp. No, all the other ones are 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 under that. Okay. And just so you guys understand, let, let's just put this into perspective just really quick. Because every hundred dollars on um, let me see. I'm just looking at this real quick. I just want to see how many units this is because I can't remember. Hang tight. Heather, talk to them. I'm I I'm like, uh suspense is killing me. What <laughs> well, sorry, I it think was on it. It was on a I'll, completely I'll back, other deal. I'll go back to rent comps a little bit because I think that applies to investors in the regular residential space too because we recently got a package of homes and rents were low that happens when builders have their own portfolio and so he had the rents man several of them were several hundred dollars a month low right so he as a result we went to the property manager got all the information from the seller and said okay property manager you're the expert when these come vacant next so not you know, speculating on growth in rents, what will these rent for now? And that's how we got a credit from the seller. And we've talked about this before, that when rents are low, you can get a credit from the seller for the difference. And then the property is cash flowing, but it's actually real. You have to have comps. And our property managers never want to be on the hook to say, oh yeah, rents are going to go up to X with a new owner and then later on down the road say, oh yeah, never mind. <laughs> so they want to be accurate. So making okay. sure your rent comps are complete. It's, it's really important. And this is why it's important folks. Okay. Just to, to put in perspective what this means, every hundred dollars that you raise the rents on 104 units increases your income, right? So if you guys want to do the math with me so that you understand what I'm doing. You have 104 units times $100 a month in rent. That's $10,400 times 12 months. That's $124,800. So if you don't increase your expenses and all you did was increase $100 a month, you divide that by this guy's calculation, which is 0. 0.055 or 5.5% cap rate. That means that what, what he just did was worth $2.2 million. Okay. Okay. Times eight because he was raising rents eight hundred dollars oh wow. a month okay per unit now if you're off by that much money you can already understand the problem with the property you could be off if he misses them by a hundred it's two million bucks two hundred four million bucks right so automatically big problem yeah second problem absorption rate which i don't think we've ever talked about heather we ever talked about absorption rate i don't think so Okay, so the absorption rate is how many units can a market handle when they're delivered? And one of the things that people don't look at is how many properties are forecasted to be delivered mm -hmm. and how is that going to affect or impact you and the rents that you're going to be getting? So like meaning that if you're in a market and there's, you know, 2000 rentals on the market and there's only a thousand people looking. Is that what you're meaning? Yeah, but it's yeah. for new units. So yeah. let's say that new construction, they're going to add 400 units next year. Like we already know this, right? Yeah. Well, if it can absorb 700, no problem. Still going to have a, a shortage, right? Mm -hmm. So last year, there was a shortage, a couple hundred unit shortage. But so this market can handle 700 units a year. But 
the part that he kind of left off was the forecast because the forecast is for in 2022, 600 plus 500 plus 50, that's 1,200 units forecast Wow! to hit the market this year. 300 of these are just down the street from this property. So when I called and asked, I said, hey, well, what about the 300 that's going down the street? That's going to be an awesome comp for us. So <laughs> <laughs> <Is that> okay? <laughs> Let me make sure I understand. The 300 doors that have to be filled down the street as you're raising your rents, $800 on a person isn't going to drive those people down the street to the 300 new properties. What you're saying is that's going to be good for your property. I'm here to tell you it's not. Yeah. Neither is the over 400 doors that are going to be overbuilt next year and saturate the market and drive rents down. So y'all want to understand how do rents actually go down? It's there's more demand or there's more supply than demand. So if the builders build 1,200 units next year and the absorption rate is 700, now we have rents that are going to decline because everyone is going to be offering every kind of deal under the sun to try to get these rents. How do you know what the absorption rate is? How do you know? Yeah. So you go to CoStar. That's a multifamily. I mean, CoStar is the place to go if you're doing commercial properties, which he did. He put it in his report. Oh, wow. This is in the offering memorandum. It's not, I, didn't, I didn't just go grab this myself. <laughs> and so you really have to wonder. There, I mean, there's two. I don't even yeah. need to keep looking at the offering memorandum. Wow. The, the other problem is the problem that I, that I suggested before on the show, which is his exit is in three to five years. Two other problems. So oh. in order to do the repairs, he has to go get a bridge loan. His bridge loan that he had in here is at 4.5%, which is a joke. He's not getting 4.5% on a bridge loan right now. We just talked about what interest rates are doing, right? And then he has his interest rate on his takeout loan hmm. about the same, which also isn't going to happen because interest rates are going to go up over this year and it's going to take him over a year to take all of those units, fix them up, and put them back on the market, re-rent them for $800 more. Wow. Now, that's in amazing. addition to that, he's still using a five, and I, I think he increased it to like five and three quarters or something cap rate. And when I asked him about that, he said, yeah, the cap rates, don't, they just don't correct very much over long periods of time. So they, it's just little bits, increments at a time. you know. And I'm like, <laughs> I said, no, that's, that's actually not true. I mean, I guess if you look at a historical average, that's true. You, you cannot tell me that they can't move wow. quickly because they can. Yeah. And I believe they actually are going to. And in any case, he's two years into this project minimum anyway on 104 units trying to get them up $800 in rent. No way that's going to happen in a year. Wow. And he's raising millions of dollars. I'm wow. just... I'm telling you people, you got to be careful and you've got to watch what's going on out there. All right. And maybe Heather, let's do the next episode on, you know, the other things. Let's talk about section eight. Let's talk about Airbnb. Let's talk a little bit about, you know, paying cash versus financing. We talked a little bit about some of these other things, but let's do our next episode on that because we're running short of time. I went a little bit long on my rant, but (laughs) 
has really, it really pisses me off that people do this Yeah, because this guy's going to lose his butt and a whole bunch of other people's butts right along with him. And it sounds like he just doesn't know because he included those things in the offering memorandum. Like you said, it's like telling everybody, yes, yeah, so the market can't absorb all of this and we're going to build it and we're going to raise rents. So uh, I am of the opinion, guys, I'm not talking about this guy specifically. I'm just talking about in general. I think there's a lot of people out there robbing Peter to pay Paul right now mm-hmm. that are going to get caught when the market corrects because these guys are getting fat upfront fees. Hmm. If you're buying a property for $10 million and you're getting a 4 or 5% fee, you're, you're getting four dollars to $500,000 upfront. And at some point, mm-hmm. you're not going to be able to keep buying properties because the house of cards is going to come down. Yeah. And at that point, it doesn't really matter how much money they've made because that amount of money isn't going to clear the negative that they've got on the properties, all of them together. And it's going to take the whole house of cards down. Now, that's going to be great for people like us. I literally can't wait until we can get some properties that are at a reasonable price again. But yeah. you know, competing with hedge funds at their own game is a fool's errand. Really stupid. So anyway, be careful out there, folks. But I want to probably underscore this. Heather, we should underscore this. Okay. I'm ready. There's so much good out there right now. Mm-hmm. Don't let the things that are circling around scare you into thinking that you can't invest in today's market conditions because that's simply not true. We are. Yeah. We're just investing based on fundamentals. That's it. Yep. It's not any more difficult than that. This guy yes. that I was just talking about isn't. He's completely thrown the fundamentals out of the window and then doesn't know what he doesn't know. And that's multifamily, which is far more complicated than owning a single family home or a duplex or a fourplex. You can buy, own, and have cash flow and get really good returns right now with an asset that isn't going to go to zero. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to talk about which ones of those I think might, but you know, my Shiba Eno ain't doing so good right now. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Good take, Ron. And on that positive note, everybody, get out there this week and make something happen. Don't let make choices based on fear. Understand what you're doing. This has been the Get Real Podcast. To subscribe and for more information, including a list of all episodes, go to getrealestatesuccess.com.